the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. You may have noticed from newspapers and the media that last weekend Prince George, the future King of England, celebrated his third birthday. And so official photographs were released. As cute as the little boy is, I have to say my favorite photo is the one that included the family dog, Lupo. Lupo, you may have noticed, is a beautiful black English cocker spaniel. His name comes from Latin lupus, meaning wolf, and so it's a little bit of a joke that such a sweet, lovable dog could be called wolf, but it's also a reference to um, Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge's grandmother's last name, which was Lupton, and uses a wolf in the family crest. Lupo is the dog, and Lupo's mother was named Ella, and Lupo will be six just in time for Christmas. But I digress. You see, Lupo is probably the most interesting of the royals to me. (laughs) Many of us in this country are conflicted about the royal family. What do we do with them? I have some friends who are slightly more British than the Queen herself. They can quote to you genealogies and lines of succession. And then I have other friends and family who find the whole idea of hereditary privilege and aristocracy completely disgusting and happily sing along with the recent song by Lord. We'll never be royals. It don't run in our blood. That kind of lux ain't for us. Given our diverse views on royalty, what do we do then when Scripture is full of royal language? Especially today, where we hear over and over and over again, kingdom, the kingdom of God is like... Well, how would you fill that sentence in? The kingdom of God is like what? It can be a problematic sentence to complete. Not only does that word kingdom conjure up a lot of different images for us, but it does suggest at some level that there is a king somewhere. And if we're not careful, this language begins to limit God and confine God by gender and human categories. And that's not at all what God is about or who God is about. Some have suggested other words could better be used than kingdom. And so some will very quietly refer to the reign of God, which describes it accurately. Others might speak of God's commonwealth. I tend to hear, O Canada, when I hear that. And others have referred to God's holy realm, which again is not exactly the same thing. So each term seems to have its own problem. You'll notice that I tend to stick with the traditional word kingdom, but know that by it I mean what I mean with all words. Words are symbols, and so they point to all kinds of things behind which what they describe Scripture especially helps us think about kingdom and kings and queens in different ways because Scripture itself confuses and confounds those concepts. 
The Hebrew scriptures have several minds about kings and kingdoms, especially if we were to do a Bible study of the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel. We could tease out what are two very distinctive voices. One is extremely pro-monarchy. <laughs> This whole voice within scripture suggests that the king or the queen is the chosen one of God, that God chooses this leader and God works through this leader in particular. And so people of faith should, should listen to the ruler because through the ruler one hears God. Equally strong is another strain of scripture that says, no, 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 no. God alone is our supreme, is our ruler. And any earthly king or queen or leader is always and forever going to be trouble. <laughs> and so we can read in the scriptures, the, the pro-monarch will talk about how great the king is and usually mentions Solomon and David the anti-king strain will say, and then this king ended poorly, as they all do. <laughs> In today's first lesson, we have King Solomon redefining kingship, kind of undoing the institution itself. God appears to Solomon in a dream and promises him whatever he asks for. And notice what he prays. He doesn't pray for a stronger army. He doesn't pray for victory over his enemies. He doesn't even pray for peace. He prays for wisdom. Imagine such a ruler. To undo ruling by praying for a spirit of wisdom. King Solomon prays for Sophia, the feminine personification of wisdom. We've studied this at 10 o'clock on Sundays as we look at the Bible tradition around wisdom, that wisdom so often is personified as a woman who runs through the streets asking, who will listen, who will follow? Solomon is one of the rare ones who says, me, I want to follow. Jesus follows in this same kingly line, undoing kingship by following Sophia, following wisdom, undermining what is conventional and traditional in understanding a royal. And so in the line of King David, in the line of King Solomon, comes Jesus personifying this wisdom. The followers of Jesus understand this when they see him riding into Jerusalem on the day that we celebrate as Palm Sunday, and they, they sing praises to him, and they say, Hooray! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And yet Jesus redefines what it means to be a king as he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Whenever Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he talks in terms that completely redefine, that reorient, that turn upside down any earthly view of a kingdom. And so Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, God's holy realm, God's commonwealth as being a place where children are welcome. It's a place where the poor have a place of honor. The kingdom is where the persecuted find blessing. And it's this new kingdom, Jesus says, is already at hand, already unfolding around us and within us. In today's gospel, Jesus offers five images for the kingdom. Some are extremely familiar. 
Others might be new to us. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, this tiny, tiny seed that can grow into a huge bush or a small tree. Everything it needs to grow is within it, within that little tiny seed, invisible to the eye, but thoroughly known to God. And it's the seed's nature to grow. It can't help but grow because that's what it does. The kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman works into the dough. It's worked in quietly and mysteriously, almost without noticing anything special. And then the dough is covered and left alone. And before you know it, the dough has doubled in size. If you work it too much yourself, you undo. But if you let God, then it doubles or triples and grows. The kingdom of God is like hidden treasure in a field. One stumbles upon it, perhaps. Others might be looking all over the place for this treasure. Perhaps one is too busy doing other things to see the treasure right in front. But you, you find that treasure, and so you hold on to it. You take care to to protect it, to keep it where it needs to be, to make it your own. The kingdom of God is like a pearl of extraordinary value. Like like that treasure in the field, the pearl is of such value that it, it reorients everything. Finding the pearl, priorities change and shift and allow for this one very best, most precious thing. That's what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus says. St. Augustine pointed to this when he talked about the ordering of our loves If someone asked us to write down a list of our loves in order of greatest to least, what would it look like? The kingdom of God is like a great net cast into the ocean and it gathers all sorts of fish, some good, some bad, some a few in between. But in the time of God's kingdom, all are held together in the net. At the end of time, God sorts out what's of value with what's of little value and concern. But for now, we all live together. And so we have these various images for God's kingdom of what it looks like now, what it looks like unfolding and growing around us. How might we envision God's kingdom? How might you complete that sentence? The kingdom of God is like what's the pearl of great price in your life? What's that most valued love? How can you be like leaven? Perhaps the kingdom of God in our day is a little like a tweet that can cause a flash mob, a revolution for good. Who knows what the kingdom of God might look like in our day, in our own lives. Um, perhaps in a, in a church like ours, it looks like someone saying casually, well, you know, we don't all go away for summer. <laughs> And so the kingdom of God begins with a program where we have pie and talk about prayer. And so on Wednesdays like last, we had 21 people who got together to talk about how to pray more deeply. That's the kingdom of God in our midst. Or maybe you can share my vision that this weekend, especially, the kingdom of God looks like an empty gymnasium sitting on the third floor of a building on East 88th Street. Thanks be to God. Thanks to those who helped clean up our building yesterday and previous times. And so in St. Christopher's house, that building just over there, the third floor, it's a great big gymnasium sitting there. 
It needs some work. It needs some help. It needs some prayer. People have asked me, well, now that it's clean, what are you going to do? And I resist telling them all my ideas because I'm trying to really pray about this. I'm trying to invite you all to pray about this, to invite our friends and neighbors to pray about this. What is God wanting to do with this space, this beautiful, glorious space that God entrusts to us? How can we open it for others? How can we be leaven for the kingdom of God in Yorkville and beyond? We will see. The kingdom of God can be found in every direction, but some of its characteristics are right there in that little tiny mustard seed, right there in the leaven, right there in the pearl of great price. The kingdom of God unfolds in God's own good time. We can't rush it. We can't plan it. We can't strategize it. We can't outline it. We can't control it. Of any batch of mustard seeds, some will grow and some won't. We just don't know. We can be like those who've stumbled upon treasure and we'll see what becomes of it. We hold on to it, we share it, but we will go with the Spirit to see how priorities shift in the future, how schedules adjust as our love gets aligned with God's love. Here, especially at Holy Trinity, we have an amazing foundation. But I think the gospel calls us to do three things, to to be kingdom people, to live into God's unfolding kingdom. And one is to do more kingdom praying. Prayer is, of course, our lifeblood, but if you're at all like me, I sometimes forget to do it. I get busy with my calendar, with my lists, and I say my prayers in the morning, and then I'm like jumping out of the door, ready to get the day done. And I have to build in reminders to pause and say, oh, right, God, you've got this. I don't have to control it. One of you mentioned not long ago, we talk about growth and wanting to grow, but are we praying for it? That's a good question. How do we pray for growth from Holy Trinity? Not so that we can be big and important and snazzy, but so that we can be ever faithful. We need more kingdom praying, but we need more kingdom talking too. So much goes on in our building and around our building and from us, but often we keep it to ourselves. From the church office, we're doing everything we can to send out newsletters and emails and, 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 and tweets and pictures, and we have a sermon podcast, and we do what we can. But it really comes down to people who come and go from this space, the holy talking that goes on around us. Tell your friends and neighbors where you spent Sunday morning. Was it worthwhile or should you have just slept late? If it's worthwhile, tell someone in your own way. You don't have to preach from the street corner, though a little bit of that probably would go a long way. Reach out to other members and tell them they're missed when they're not here. And tell them what they're missing as well. Finally, we all probably need to do some more kingdom living that is living into God's shaping us to be more faithful. What is your role in this parish? What is your place? Do you simply keep a pew from getting too dusty? (laughs) Or are you up for something else? 
Are you up for singing or, or sharing or, or, or teaching or cooking or cleaning? Um, are you up for helping put together programs for children or, or doing publicity? Are you up for something that you've thought about and you've said to yourself, oh, they'd never want to do that here? Maybe we would. During the summer of deep growth and blooming outside, may God bless us with deep growth and blooming inside as well. May God help us all to grow fully into the kingdom of God here and beyond. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.